I set my sight on let's just get healthy and let's have fun with this again. Uh, meaning I don't have to prep for anything. There's no pressure. Um, so I, I, I kind of was just living this nonchalant lifestyle with powerlifting, just lifting to lift again instead of lifting for a competition. Welcome to the Bar Bend Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by barbend.com. Today, I'm talking to Taylor Atwood, a six-time United States champion and two-time IPF world champion in powerlifting. Most recently, Taylor totaled an astonishing 812 kilograms at 74 kilograms body weight, becoming the first lifter in his category to hit that mark in drug-tested competition. In the process, Taylor set new American records on all three lifts. Taylor joins us today to talk about making powerlifting history, how to avoid burnout in strength sports, and the mental approach to training that gives him an edge in the sport and in life. I do want to take a second to give a special shout out to our episode sponsor, Transparent Labs. If you want clean, clearly labeled supplements with ingredients backed by science, Transparent Labs has you covered. Seriously, no hidden ingredients, no proprietary blends, and nothing artificial. That includes their uber popular bulk pre-workout with ingredients we love to see for focus and energy, plus vitamin D3, boron, and zinc. All the good stuff, absolutely no fillers. Use code BARBEND at checkout for an extra 10% off. Taylor, you're coming off of one of uh, one of the more Im- impressive and newsworthy powerlifting feats, definitely of the year. It might be of the last few years. Tell us what it was like to get back on the platform after, uh, you know, after a break and obviously kind of still during the COVID pandemic. Yeah, David, thank you for having me on. Uh, it's a pleasure to always uh, be reached out to by someone credible in the, <laughs> the fitness world with Barbin. So thank you. Well, I don't know who you're talking about in that case, but uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's uh, so, yeah, it, it, it felt absolutely amazing to get back into the platform competitive uh, scene as well. In terms of, um, I, I lifted in February, I want to say, uh, right before everything was kind of shut down. I lifted at, at a local meet in Brooklyn. Um, I'm, I'm headquartered here in New York. So I, I went to Brooklyn. I competed. I was coming off of an injury. Um, so I kind of just wanted to dabble again because I was getting ready for the Sheffield. Uh, for the people listening, if you didn't know what the Sheffield was, it was the SBD Invitational in the UK. Um, they were doing this huge meet for some of the IPF lifters. Um, and for the people that don't know what the IPF is, uh, that's the International Powerlifting Federation. Um, which is like a drug-tested international federation. So I won Worlds in 2019, so I was automatically um, selected to go to this meet in in March. Uh, However, COVID happened, so they canceled everything. Um, So I was kind of just already peaking for the meet itself, uh, so it, it was about three weeks before the actual peak was supposed to happen 
So I didn't go into that meet in February. My strongest, I was also coming off an injury. So it was kind of just a tune up meet and, and just let's see what we can put together. So I did that, uh, put up a respectable total, but nothing that I did uh, last week. Um, <laughs> so let, let's uh, let's rewind and then we'll fast forward to the the this prior meet. So that was February. Um, given that now I didn't know what was in sight in terms of competitions, I set my sight on, let's just get healthy and let's have fun with this again. Uh, meaning I don't have to prep for anything. There's no pressure. Um, so I, I, I kind of was just living this nonchalant lifestyle with powerlifting, just lifting to lift again, instead of lifting for a competition. And I almost fell back in love with it uh, because at times powerlifting can become this, um, it's a double-edged sword with, when it comes to competition. So I fell back in love in terms of the process, being able to rehab, feeling healthy again. Uh, and I was leading into this meet feeling absolutely amazing. So <clears throat> that was like a blessing. So I was very prepared in terms of leading into the meet with uh, nutrition, sleep. The schedule kind of got a little wacky because of COVID, uh, but I was able to work from home. So that kind of cut down on commute time. So in terms of like almost the perfect storm leading into the meet itself, it was. So I was feeling phenomenal, um, rested, and it, it was kind of just – everything came together how it was supposed to. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know what else I, I can kind of say in terms of how I felt, uh, but from a prepared, uh, standpoint and aspect, I was fully prepared. Uh, we peaked at the perfect time and we put up a, a, a phenomenal total as well. So I, I have to ask that meet in February, the local meet, that was the murder of crows meet, correct? No, squats, oh, was and it? squats and science. Oh, okay. I went to the Murder of Crows one, and I actually – I think you were coaching there. That's what I'm thinking. You were there. I was there, yeah. Oh, yeah. Why didn't you come say hello? You, I, were, you, 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 were, co you were coaching. I just dropped I by. I just dropped by to see a few attempts. I said hi to some old weightlifting friends who were there. Okay. You know, it was a drive-by. It was a drive-by. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but that's right. I think you were coaching there. I look back at that. It seems like eons ago. I think that was the last large gathering of people that yeah. I that, that I like experienced before things went into lockdown. Let's put it that way. Yes, it, I think it, I think it was at least here in New York because um, the meet that I did was in Florida, so it was open. the the app the, the atmosphere was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, there were there were like I want to say I probably shouldn't be saying this, but uh, there were probably like 150 people there at least. Um, the one, the one you did, the one you wore, you set the, the total uh, yeah, record yes. recently. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we were all wearing masks, um, but nonetheless, probably shouldn't have been that large. But nonetheless, it was absolutely great. It was great. Training, training in a mask, it's something that I've, you know, I, during COVID, when the, when the gym shut down, I didn't have access to the same equipment. I started running again for the first time in years. Wouldn't recommend, wouldn't recommend that to anyone, by the way. Wouldn't wish that upon my worst enemy. But, you know, I started running in a mask and it took some getting used to, but I was able to adapt. For you, was it, was it a hurdle to overcome or did it, it had come pretty naturally? Just put the mask on, do the lifts, you're fine. Initially, yes, it was, uh, it was quite the change. I mean, 
I, I, why would we cha- train in a mask? Um, but again, just like everything, like you said, you adapt, uh, and it was actually pretty seamless. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. We'll get back to that in just a moment. But first, another quick word from our sponsor, Transparent Labs. You know Hofthor Bjornsson, 2018 World's Strongest Man and one of the strongest human beings in history? Yep, he uses Transparent Labs to fuel his performance. Now, not everyone is a six foot nine Icelandic world record holder, and you probably don't eat 8,000 calories a day. But Transparent Labs has the goods for every strength athlete. Clinically effective doses, nothing artificial, and a label you can actually read. Now let's get back to it. Yeah, it's it's also the sort of thing where if you're in a controlled environment, you have rest between sets, like you, you're familiar with your positions, it, it, powerlifting is not a sport. You're not running a marathon. Right, you should be able to to get your breath between reps. I don't know. I'm probably going to get some hate from the powerlifting community here. No, not at all, not at all. Because I was doing sets of like five with seven reps and with a mask. So if anyone can complain, it's me. <laughs> all right, I just I just don't want to get a lot of bad? I don't want to get a lot of angry strength athletes uh, mad at me and saying, "Hey, it's more challenging than you think." I know, guys. I know, guys. I'm in this too. I get it. I get it. I do want to talk back. Uh, I, I want to rewind a little bit and talk about the Sheffield meet because it didn't it didn't happen. But the Sheffield was something that the whole powerlifting world, and I actually say even people outside of powerlifting, people in the strength community outside of powerlifting were looking at it because it was supposed to be kind of like the next big thing in competition. It was an invitational meet. There was a lot of money on the line. Um, it was just the, the, the creme de la creme. I mean, it was the best powerlifters in the IPF coming together for a meet where there was going to be a lot of media coverage. We were planning media coverage on Barbend months out. You know, we were like, this is going to be a big thing. And this was also in a year where we had the Olympics and the CrossFit Games. So for us, it was like, this was in, in many ways going to be bigger than Worlds for powerlifting. We thought there would be more interest in it. It gets canceled. It's something that we hope to see again, another meet like that where there's big money on the line. Heading into that meet as one of the athletes who was invited, and, and you'll have to remind me how many athletes total were invited. It was a pretty small pool. You know, did you feel like it was something different? Yeah. So there were actually, I believe, from my, my memory, um, there were twelve men and twelve women selected. So, like you mentioned, very small pool. Uh, it it was it truly felt like. Um, we were getting something from at least the USAPL IPF kind of standpoint, like, wow, they're, this is very selective. Uh, and, and it made you feel good. Like you have a chip on your shoulder. You're doing this for a reason. You're finally getting some uh, credibility and some recognition for all the hard work that you're putting into this. Uh, because as many know, powerlifting is not very lucrative. So <laughs> uh, having the money, uh, pool, the pool that was on, in line, I think it was around 250 uh, British pounds, 250,000 British pounds. So this was a huge prize pool, uh, a lot of money. And it was finally, like if it did, it had a different feel to it in terms of, all right, we're not just lifting to see who the best lifter is. We have some actual cash on the line. Uh, and let's see who can put their best foot forward. 
powerlifting's been like many strength sports. It's been one of those you do it for the love of the game sports, which is why when you talked about falling back in love with powerlifting, like you need that every few years because you know I, I could be wrong, but no one's ever become a billionaire from uh, from from loading up a barbell and, and, and back squatting yet, you know I mean? There's a lot of, a lot of time to go and it's a gro- it's growing, but it's been this, it's ver- been very much for the love of the game. And the stereotype is, you know, gritting it out, training by yourself or with a small group, not necessarily getting the press and everything that, that you deserve. And that's a big reason barbell exists. We think more of a light needs to be shine shown upon this, I should say. So to have something that kind of seemed like it was going to be a powerlifting all-star weekend, was like a pretty a pretty cool thing, um, you know. Is that something that you think could be replicated, or something you might like to see happen at the national level as well? Uh, in terms of what exactly, like well, so, the Sheffield was going to be an international. It was it was an international meet, but on the national level, do you think there is? Do you think USAPL? powerful United States is ready for that kind of big name meet here at just the national. Oh, okay. Yes. Got it. So I think personally the USAPL could do a way better job in terms of uh, marketing, making the lifters feel like you just won. You're the best in the, in the America. Um, because I, uh, not bragging, just giving my stats. I'm a six-time national champion, so that's the USA. Uh, so, and I will say, at this local meet, I felt more love there uh, at the local level than the national level. Meaning, I had this big ass trophy that said I was the champion of champions. Meaning, I was the best lifter there. Uh, I had the the people on the mic um that were giving me a lot of of love and attention uh the the crowd i mean not saying that nationals the crowd isn't uh great but in terms of the what the usapl can do for the national champion there's only a select few of us i feel they could do a better job of kind of giving us a, a bigger medal or a trophy like we don't get we get a medal but no trophy um and, and it's really just bragging rights at that point and obviously a a seat or a a, a bid for your world uh, nomination let's talk a little bit about the total at the competition in in Florida recently you're in uncharted territory in your body weight category. It's uh, it's something that, well, I mean, well, I'm excited to see you do it on the international stage so it can be a world record, um, which is interesting. Every time we publish something about this and a national record is higher than a world record or a national lift is higher than a world than a world record lift, we always have to explain in the comments or specifically in the article, like you have to do it in international competition for it to be a world record. That's a true across, across the strength sports. That's not specific to powerlifting. Same with weightlifting. Talk a little bit about that total because it's it's the all-time record. It's heavier than anyone in your bodyweight category has ever lifted on the combined lifts. How do you how does that impact your your mental state going into training? Because when I'm training, I can always look at people who are stronger than me, right? And I can say, oh, I'm aiming toward that. Or in sports, you in many sports you have that. I'm aiming toward this. But at this point, you're just kind of competing against your against yourself and the marks that you've already set. So how do you stay motivated for training that way? <clears throat> That's a great question. So 
the I will say I'm going. I, I am the strongest current uh, ever in the in the IPF and USAPL um, <clears throat> drug tested. But there's there's others outside that are still ahead of me, um, and and they may have some some help. Some help, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the one thing that's continuing to motivate me, and this isn't the single motivator, but uh, Jesse Norris is total. He's still he. So Jesse Norris totaled in 2015, I think, some ungodly amount, and at the time, I mean, it was just unheard of like what he did um and it's his he's number one still in the usapl in terms of the new ipf points uh system and wilkes so that's what i'm aiming for (laughs) is to be the number one uh i'm currently number one in the ipf um but jesse is number one still in the usapl so that's that's one factor uh but now that's out of the way what continues to truly motivate me is I, and this is for all aspects of my life. I try not to let any barriers truly set me back. And as cliche as that may sound, it's just, I I like to challenge myself in every single capacity. So um, not just weightlifting or uh, how much weight I can lift and squat or bench or deadlift. It's okay. How much can I put on my plate without breaking? (laughs) Um, So right now I have a full-time job. I have powerlifting. I have, I'm going back for my MBA. Um, So I have a lot of moving pieces right now. I have, uh, I have a lot of moving pieces, but nonetheless, I am able to handle it um, time management. And it's kind of just, it's ingrained in me at this point of just wanting to be the best that I truly can be. And again, cliche, but it is, it's, it's, uh, I look at all the successful people in business and sports and they just have this tenacity about them, uh, their perseverance. They kind of just have this chip on their shoulder. And I've, I've always been that way as well. And not comparing myself to the greats of any sport because I'd be doing them a disservice, but um, I like to model myself after them and to see people reach because we honestly, and I'm getting philosophical on you here. We have such a short time on this earth that why not try to truly just take on the world essentially and, and do the best that you can. Like um, I I don't want to limit myself in that aspect um, and I still do, um, but there, it's it's a learning curve. There's certain I fail numerous times, but it's like I get back up on my feet and I try again, and I continuously fail, try again. Um, so I think it's it's a it's a lot of things, but it's kind of that uh, that fear of not failing. It's just go after it. I, I will attest to the fact that Taylor is a tenacious and dedicated competitor in all realms of life. I've played trivia with him. That's about as far away from powerlifting as you can get. And I was very glad to have him on my team. I just, I will, I will specify that. You hopefully talk about be able to do that again soon. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, hopefully, yeah. Tri- bar trivia seems like a little bit of a thing of the past. I hope it circles back around. It's always, always a good time. 
you talk a little bit about, I, I love that you get philosophical because you, you do talk about, hey, look, we all have a limited time on earth. That is a reality. We all have limited times in our chosen careers, hobbies, and passions, right? And in, in the sporting realm, that's amplified because we really only have this certain window of kind of prime ability. Now, obviously, master sports are great. And I will give an addendum. I talked to David Ricks on this podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago. He's literally twice your age, and he's still internationally competitive in the open category. So, you know, at 61 years old. So limits are also in our mind. But let's talk about your longevity in the sport. You're 31, right? You're still, you're still a young guy, and we've seen p- people in powerlifting excel and get stronger much later in life than their early 30s. Do you have any specific longevity goals or, or competition duration goals in, in the sport? Uh, so shout out Dave Ricks. <laughs> he, was, he was actually at the meet um, that I broke, or I hit the 812 total. Um, we got a picture together, so got a picture with the true goat. So my, my longevity is I just want to make sure that I'm still able to lift <laughs> in my uh, 40s and 50s and 60s and not get out of bed feeling like absolute dog shit with my joints hurting. And Because right now I feel great, honestly. And I, I've met numerous people in their 40s and 50s now that say, man, in my 30s, my joints were aching and so on and so forth. And I think my coaching uh, team, the strength guys, do a great job. Uh, Jason Tremblay, in uh, specific, he has done a great job managing the the load capacity, and kind of uh, we're making progress, but not too much progress. I think that's a the, a very overlooked piece of programming is. I think it's just natural for a lifter to want to get as strong as possible as quickly as possible. However, there's again, a double-edged sword. If you do that high risk comes high reward, but your risk is injury. And we did that in the beginning in 2015 when I first started and I got injured. Um, Granted, I don't think it was truly from overload, but it was from just mismanagement of technique and, and we weren't managing some other things, and now we are. So we're just smarter, uh, and we're able to do things. But longevity, for sure, is just making sure that I can still lift um, some weight when I'm older. <laughs> I, I think that's a, that's a good that's a good goal for uh, for everyone in strength sports. And if you're listening to this and you're not a power lifter, this doesn't just apply to power lifters. You crossfitters out there, you weightlifters, you strongman competitors. Take care of yourself. Manage your training volume and intensity because it will come back to bite you. If you don't, if you don't take my word for it, you probably shouldn't take Taylor's. So I'm glad. I'm glad you gave that disclaimer. Let's talk a little bit about um, accessories and things you're doing and recovery and things you're doing, you know, off the platform and outside of quote unquote your normal training, right? Because it all comes together. You have to see it as an ecosystem: training, nutrition, recovery, sleep. It all adds to this, it all adds up to an eight, 12 kilo total, right? What, what are some, um, what are some recovery techniques that you really like prioritizing? You mentioned sleep. I know it's very important to you. Um, are there any, anything else I've heard a lot of powerlifters who like, you know, con- take, they do contrast showers after every training, et cetera. Not that you necessarily do that, but like, what are your key recovery techniques and priorities? Yeah. So we have, uh, 
I'm active seven days a week. So meaning I have four to five actual working days in the gym. Um, but those two resting days and even one like working day, quote unquote, uh, is due to active recovery. So we're doing a lot of active recovery in the gym. I'm making sure that I'm doing my proper stretches, stability work. Um, nutrition is another underrated piece of recovery. Uh, I make sure that I'm, I work with a nutritionist. His name is Kedrick uh, Kwan, and he's also with the strength guys, but he has helped me uh, stay on point in terms of making sure I have proper protein, enough energy in the gym to, so I'm, if we have to increase carbohydrates, decrease fats. So I'm, I'm tracking my nutrition, my hydration, um, tracking my sleep. So I, I have to minimally get seven hours. Otherwise I just feel like shit. Um, not saying that I don't get less than seven hours because sometimes I do. Um, but I certainly make up for that when I can. So at least the cumulative, uh, week perspective, I try to shoot for over 49 hours of sleep. Um, and then it's really just monitoring my, my training load. So I have to fill out a sheet with my team and let them know how I'm feeling, how the recovery felt. Did I sleep? How much did I sleep? Um, I'm tracking all my nutrition. Uh, so there's, there's numerous different factors that we're, we're truly tracking and I'm very diligent and, and good about that. So. Yeah, definitely uh, an analytical approach, which is which is kind of becoming the new norm. You don't see many athletes at the top of their game setting all-time drug-tested world records who are like, yeah, I just kind of eat anything, and then I do a water cut. Like, you don't really hear that these days, uh, which is, I guess, a bit of a relief because the sport's getting more professionalized. What are the challenges that you face as someone who's working a full-time job? You're pursuing a graduate degree. That, that time management you talked about. You know, how much time are you spending in the gym in each of these sessions? And how are you building your day around your training? Uh, great question. So I actually had, we had to modify, and I, I bring this to my coaches uh, and give them a ton of props because when New York opened back up, um, <clears throat> we had a limited capacity that we could have in the gym at one time. So the gym that I was going to, uh, we had time slots, but the time slots were limited to two hours. So I had to get my SBD days sometimes, squat bench deadlift, uh, done in two hours. So I had to be efficient, zero talking. I had to actually warm up before I even got to the gym because those two hours I was sprinting to the uh, rack just to get plates loaded on and start the the workout. So um and we once New York kind of was a little more lenient, uh, we opened up capacity. We then went away with the two hours time slot. But that's what I had to work with for probably a good two months. Um, and then the last, I say, from August to now or until last week, uh, I, I had free reign. But I was still trying to limit myself to around three hours. Um, each training session. Now, again, I'm not training for three hours. I don't want anyone to get that. Like, how are you working out for three hours? I'm in the gym for three hours, <laughs> uh, probably resting for two hours, maybe even longer. Uh, my actual working, like actual work sets, maybe a 
35 to 45 minutes. Um, so, but I, I do need full rest. So we're getting roughly three to five minutes of rest in between each set. Uh, and, I, and depending on the cumulative workload for that week or that macro cycle, I have to uh, either do five sets, six sets. Um, so it's, it's, it's work intensive, but yeah, I try to limit myself to three hours. That's, uh, it's certainly something to keep in mind that when you get stronger, workouts take longer because you need more rest, but literally just loading all the plates on the barbell. Hey, if you're squatting 225, you just kind of throw some plates on, go at it, right? But but when you're loading a lot of calibrated plates on the barbell, like it takes time. Your warm-ups take time. You're starting from an empty bar and going from there all the way up to, you know, however many hundreds of pounds, 800 pounds on the deadlift. Like it, it's going to take a minute. You know, you're going to have to do some warm-up sets. You can't just like go zero, 50%, 100. No, not at all. And that's the worst thing about lifting heavy weights. <laughs> <laughs> it's just taking the weight on and off. I don't. I don't mind. I'll, I'll lift it up and down. I'll. I'll pick it up, put it back down as quickly as you want me to. But having to load and unload sucks. Powerlifters love the vertical plane. Moving plates in the horizontal plane, they're not about that though. That's the uh, worst part of it. See, that's my. That's my competitive advantage. Uh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm good at it, so it helps. That's how you get your bi- that's how you get your your biceps accessory training. It's just yeah. the plates come on and off. You just exactly. really really tense up. You just really tense up when you do that. That's that's the absolute key. Taylor, where's the best place for people to keep up to date with your training? Um, any future future competitions you have coming up, and the best way to follow you? So I'm very active on Instagram. You can find me at t underscore atwood a t w o o d, uh, and I post there pretty much daily. So you can find me there. I have to say my Twitter account is D underscore Tao. So the first name, first, first initial underscore full last name. It's, it's a, it's a, the gentleman's choice. So I do appreciate that. (laughs) Taylor, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Really, really impressive stuff coming from you. And I, I don't speak, I don't speak for just myself, but I think I speak for everyone when I say we're really excited to see as the world hopefully opens back up in 2021, what you're able to accomplish there. So appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thank you for having me on.